Welcome to the Virtual Shift, a show looking at the seismic changes happening in healthcare with virtual care at the epicenter. Join me and my guests as we look at key cultural and policy shifts impacting how providers, payers, and patients connect, as well as how care is being reimagined both for today and the future. Hello, and thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Tom Foley. You can learn more about this show by visiting the program on healthcarenowradio.com, and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at FoleyTom, and the hashtag, The Virtual Shift. Today, we have a great guest on, Pat Dunn. He is a program manager at the American Heart Association. Specifically, Pat works in the Connected Health Center of Health Technology and Innovation. Pat, welcome to the program. Great. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be on the show. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad you took the time to uh, to join us, uh, for sure. Uh, the American Heart Association is doing some innovative things uh, in, the, in, in many areas. The area that we're going to focus on today is around the content and the programs mm-hmm. that they are publishing and the importance of that in the delivery of care model, more so now than ever before as we try to find ways to engage patients and change their behaviors towards ensuring a better path to wellness. Not all about a script, not all about a medical device, not about remote patient monitoring or virtual care. It's about how this content sees the patient or how the patient sees the the content in order for them to engage it and move themselves along uh, the path of greater awareness, greater education, and with that comes greater outcomes, in my view. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so our Center for Health Technology and Innovation was created uh, in 2016, about six years ago, by our CEO, Nancy Brown, as really a connector between the tech world and the clinical and scientific world. And the key there is we want to help the tech world fulfill a basic promise the technology can improve health and achieve better health outcomes. And we believe, to your point, that content is a critical factor there. So knowledge is power. And so people really have a hard time achieving behavior change without knowing and understanding and trusting what they do. You know, this goes all the way back. We used to, and we still do, we publish cookbooks. You can buy an American Heart Association cookbook in a bookstore. We publish brochures. You could pick a brochure rack, you know, at your doctor's office. Eventually, we added, you know, DVDs and CD-ROMs to those. Then we created our heart.org website. You could go to the website and find virtually anything you wanted to find. What we're doing is really that next innovative method for how we disseminate our American Heart Association science to the public. So what we've done is we've created a content management system of digital artifacts, both content and assessments, combined together in what we call care plans. They're really patient and user flow journeys. How do I manage my my heart condition, whether it be my blood pressure, my heart failure, if I'm in cardiac rehab, even programs like diabetes and obesity. So the content is a critical component of that, how, how we deliver that. And we have to be innovative with how we deliver content, just like we have to be innovative in in other aspects, you know, of, of what we do. So it's not just, you know, a blog post. It's not just a video or a message. It's really a combination of those things put into really a multimedia platform 
and really designed for different types of users. You know, there's some people that are not very engaged, hard to motivate. So we have content and, and plans designed for, for those types of users. There's on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are very motivated and want a lot of information and they want it pretty fast. So we have, you know, we're all we're all with trying to achieve the same outcome, but with different methods of how we deliver that content. And we also have to do it in a way that's engaging. You know, what's engaging for one person, you know, might make some people like to watch videos, some people like to read articles. Some people really learn more from interactive types of things, you know, doing assessments. And a critical part of that too is creating two-way communication between the patient and their healthcare professional. And that can be both synchronous communication, like a video call, but it can also be asynchronous, even messaging back and forth so that the person gets the feedback that they need. It's interesting. I, you know, with the models, uh, delivery of care models today, extending out beyond the, uh, the brick and mortar, the engagement becomes all too important in my view. Uh, my yeah. audience has often heard me use the analogy of you know, the average Medicare patient with five chronic conditions sees nine different doctors. CMS data says that they're only in front of those nine doctors 15 hours in a given year. So these are, you know, very sick and challenging individuals in the context of uh, wellness and five chronic conditions. So the question is, what happens the other 8,745 hours, right? So it's not about uh, getting a script and going to the pharmacy and after your doctor's visit and think you're going to be okay for the next six months or the next uh, next three months when you've got your next follow-up appointment. It's really how do we engage that patient outside of the office? So what homework assignment do they do? They might have a homework assignment to go pick up the script, but in a remote patient monitoring or patient portal or a combination of both, what is part of their clinical care plan that they can have easy access to. And I think you would agree that it's not just about reading a document or watching one video, right? It's about a series of that, inclusive of assessments, to measure, monitor that patient as they move along that uh, empowerment zone. Uh, you, you, you You noted information is power, and I absolutely agree. I often talk about awareness to wellness. So the more they learn, the greater the awareness, hopefully that uh, that uh, translates into uh, different behaviors, which ultimately transfer translates into that patient walking down the path to wellness. Right. Uh, so it's really critical. I you know we often talk about technology, and and hence one of the reasons why I wanted you on the program today. We often talk about technology. Adopt this. Adopt that. Right. Well, you know apps and all that good stuff, but. The fundamentals here haven't changed in meaning of how do we continuously educate the patient uh, or give them at least access to the tools that they can be continuously educated, uh, one might argue as a lifelong learner. But, uh, you know, so it just becomes an absolute essential in in a virtual care setting. Your thoughts? Yeah. So, first of all, heart disease is a relentlessly progressive disease. It's not going to go away. It's going to be something you're going to deal with for the rest of your life. So it's not something that's a quick fix. And it also involves a high level of patient involvement. So it's really more than, you know, wearing a cast or taking a pill. Medication is very important, 
but the other non-medication related things that you do, what you, the other things you put in your mouth, your food, your level of physical activity, how you manage your stress and emotions, um, the ability to achieve an ideal weight and avoid toxic behaviors like tobacco, alcohol, and, and other things that, that are not good for your heart. All of those things are critically important. And I would say they're, they're as important as just simply taking your medications. So that, that's why the content and the, the information is so important because people need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. The old days of just following a doctor's advice, you know, we're long past that. You know, people are coming to the doctor very well informed about the information. The challenge is there's so much information out there, it's really hard to know what to trust. So that's really where we come in to really What help. do you mean? Not everything on the internet is true? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so yeah, so it's a it's a huge problem whether it's a whether it's a pandemic or whether it's a a sub-pandemic like heart disease or even a, a pandemic of mental health is people need to know what to do and they didn't they need to know who to trust. Yeah, and 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 quite frankly, in the in the context of a pandemic, you don't always have access to your healthcare. And, you know, there's still challenges of access nonetheless, but you know, in the pandemic world, it was, you know, close the doors, nobody's coming in, you can't sit in a waiting room, you know, and if you, you know, and if you did, it was one at a time, otherwise the waiting room was out in the parking lot, right? So, you know, but these virtual tools where this content is integrated becomes even more important. But you you hit on the heart uh, condition, certainly it's the American Heart Association, Mm-hmm. But but there's uh you know with often uh, heart disease there are many comorbidities, right? So your content reaches out beyond that to touch yeah. across across touch across those clinical uh, conditions. Can yeah, you say we, more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this goes back well over a decade. We actually had to define what that even meant. So we originally came up with life's simple seven. It's now life's essential eight. So these are eight factors that really are designed to improve not only heart health, but just your overall quality of life. So what are those eight? It's physical activity, nutrition, achieving an ideal weight, avoiding tobacco, getting enough sleep, maintaining a good blood pressure, cholesterol, and glucose. So those eight factors Overall, pressure, glucose, and um, and cholesterol, and cholesterol. Yep. So there's four there's four things that you measure, and there are four behaviors that you do. So activity, nutrition, avoiding tobacco, and and getting better sleep. And then there's weight, blood pressure, cholesterol, and glucose. And now, if you think about it, those eight factors um, expand well beyond heart disease. They're also good for for diabetes control. They're good for cancer prevention, uh, and they're good for just overall health and well-being. So three of those four that I can measure: uh, uh, weight, uh, diabetes, and uh, blood pressure. How effective and how, uh, without taking a lab test to measure my cholesterol, how, how do how do uh, folks go about doing that on a yeah, we actually have a basis. we actually have a tool. Uh, it's in our system, but it's it's called My Life Check, 
And so you literally can answer those questions. The hardest questions to answer are your nutrition questions. You know, the other things you can, you know, you can get your lab drawn for your cholesterol and your glucose. You know, you can have somebody take your blood pressure or you can do a connected device that'll measure it for you. Most people have a fairly good understanding of how well they sleep and how active they are. The nutrition can get a little tricky. So, um, but yeah, you can you can answer those questions. And it's all about, it's not just avoiding the bad stuff. It's also understanding the good stuff. So fruits and vegetables, um, whole grains, um, you know, um, getting good high quality fats, not just, you know, not the grease, but, you know, good, you know, monounsaturated fats, getting plenty of fiber in your diet, uh, avoiding uh, sweetened beverages, but still have, um, you know, maintaining good hydration uh, through through water intake. All of those things are critically important. And, and those things cross over into your blood pressure for, you know, with sodium, into your glucose with carbohydrates, into your cholesterol with fats. So all of those things are highly interrelated. Interesting. So the uh, when you talked about, you know, eating fruits and vegetables, it's also uh, being on a diet myself is really the time of day yeah. in which you eat that too, right? It's, so, so some of the guidance that I have is, you know, eating fruits and vegetables is good. There are some that are not so good for you, but that's important to know as well. Uh, yeah. But actually, you know, eating them at uh, 11 o'clock at night isn't so good either. So because uh, the body needs uh, uh, needs the opportunity to burn burn some of that off. Yeah, and that relates back to sleep. We're really much better understanding the importance of sleep. And so, yes, so, you know, going into that nighttime, you know, so if, you, if you're, you know, binge eating in the evening, that's not good. But on the other hand, your body does need essential nutrients so that it can recharge and rebuild while you're sleeping. So just trying to avoid everything is also not a good idea. Yeah, avoiding things isn't my problem, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. So seriously, so how do how do I go about how do, how do the listeners go about learning more about the, what the American Heart Association is doing in the in the area of content development, program development, care plan development? Can you tell us a little bit more about th- that aspect? Yeah. So we have a what we call an innovators network. It's a comp- it's a network of companies that we work with directly and they actually integrate this content in, into, into their solutions. So instead of having to buy our cookbooks or go into our websites, we've created the system where we can deliver these content and care plans via an API, which means you know kind of server to server, business to business, B2B to these companies. Um, and then they can actually build this content right into their solutions. Uh, who are these companies? Um, so the we actually have them listed on our website. Our website is ahahealthtech.org. You can see a list of the companies. You can also see the list of our, our science advisors that help us you know, build these content and, and these care plans. So that's really the best way to do that. We're hoping that eventually everybody that's building a digital product will will want to use either the stuff that we've created or stuff that's that's aligned with our science in that way. So uh, certainly uh, having been in the EHR world, having content embedded into the EHR 
But as you know, with the uh, with innovation and the transformation of uh, delivery of care, telehealth, remote patient monitoring, chronic care management are very uh, significant new constructs that are currently rolling out. So uh, to the listeners out there, if, if it's not just about remote patient monitoring or telehealth, you, you got to look under the hood mm-hmm. uh, a bit to see how else that platform can inspire patients and, and be, and uh, well, first of all, how the health system can leverage some of the under uh, underlying elements of a of a platform, but ultimately, this is about inspiring uh, patients uh, uh, along their journey. Because if yeah. you're going to ask them to participate in a remote ma- patient monitoring program, yeah, take your vitals, right? That's the easy part. That's nine nine four five four. But you know, there's the element of there's purpose to Absolutely. remote patient monitoring. And it's that purpose that I think American Heart Association does an excellent job in nailing in that and in the, in the ability to provide really rich content and not just about the heart. To right. your point about diabetes and those comorbidities and and social determinants, uh, because yep. they all roll up into one. And that really is what uh, inspired me to actually invite you on uh, to be a to be a guest because I think those are important constructs that people may not look at because sometimes it's the IT department that's looking for totally. a platform. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, and even when you mentioned remote patient monitoring, so we we fully embrace doing remote patient monitoring. Those are data points to help you to give you feedback. But to your point, if you're just taking blood pressure readings for the sake of taking blood pressure readings, then you're you're really kind of missing the point. The person should be getting that feedback and it should be then, you know, informing them of maybe some behaviors. Oh, my blood pressure is a little bit high today. You know, I should take my medication. Maybe I should avoid, you know, my really high sodium meal that I have planned or my blood sugar is high. I need to I need to make a correction. My weight's been up a little bit. So the remote patient monitoring coupled with the behaviors and that is where the content comes in because it can help the person. Okay, my blood pressure is high. A, what do I do now? Do I dial 911? Do I call my doctor? Do I take more meds? Do I just ignore it and hope it goes away? And what do I do in the long term? How do I get my blood pressure under better control? You know, and so that's what you know, do I lower my sodium? Do I cut back on my calories? Do I start a meditation program? So again, that's where we can help you figure out what you need to do to achieve those goals that are going to work for you. Yeah. And that, and, and then that is ultimately the, the, the other leg that uh, I think the delivery care uh, models need to focus on. We, we often, you know, go on the internet and I would agree, not all the content is true on the internet, but and, and and the so the idea of a remote patient monitoring program or a vendor promoting, hey, we can make you more money, Mr. and Mrs. Physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that's that that's tr- that is true. However, uh, can we can we get you to wellness? Can we get help you get your patients to wellness? Yeah. I often look at these uh, these new uh, innovative approaches such as telehealth, remote patient monitoring, chronic care management, remote therapeutic monitoring, 
as uh, they're all fee for service type of, uh, of yeah. events, but I can get you to value with with the uh, with the adoption of these platforms, but the incorporation of these programs is most significant because then I can help. I have to move you. I have to move you, the patient, along this continuum in order to maximize uh, the overall success. So I get what ACOs are doing and why and why that is. However, I can create a value proposition and a fee-for-service model that ultimately achieves the same end. You know, I often talk about needing to redefine what value is. Mm-hmm. Value isn't always about taking risk. Value is about achieving outcomes, however you can get it, right? That's right. You can, you can be incented by risk or you can be incented by money, if you will. But at the same time, either one of those programs have to be able to focus on the patient, which is at the center of all this, right? Not my pocketbook. Yeah. And so that's where, again, that's content. I can, I can give you a blood pressure cuff all day. Take it, take it 10,000 times a day. It doesn't matter uh, if you will. It, it matters of what actions you take because of what you learned by that blood pressure and by the, uh, by your new learnings of this content. Thoughts? Yeah. And yeah. And that feedback is not only at the individual patient level, it can also be at the provider and the system level. So your the doctor or the you know the healthcare providers should also be getting that feedback from the remote monitoring. How well am I doing? What percent of my patients are at goal? And what can I be doing better to be to be getting better better outcomes for my my patient population? And yeah. really looking at who who is it working for? So are there groups of my patients that are doing really well compared to other groups. And what is it about some of these other groups? Are, you know, what is, you know, we talk about social determinants. So is it the cost of medications? Is it access to healthy food? Um, what is it that we can do to make, you know, the overall population healthier? Because we're ultimately all paying for this bad health that we're that we're part of right now. Yeah. I, uh, you, you hit on a, a sore point of mine, and that is uh, one of the things that I believe we're challenged with. I, I, I still think that there's challenges in the access to care, but I think that there's greater challenges in the access to a cure. Yes. And when you said access to healthy foods, it, 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 it triggered that, that thought for me. And because I think we, a lot of patients, you know the stats as well, they go to the, do- they, they go to the doctor, they go get the tests. They get the diagnosis, they get the script, and most don't fill. Right. Right. So That's why right. why why is that? And and I and I so not only do don't they fill, we've had some previous guests on that says, you know, the grocery store down at the end of the street has, you know, sixty-five different cans of beer and uh, potato chips and pretzels, but they don't have uh, apples and oranges. Right. Right. And they don't exactly. have lettuce or tomatoes, right? Exactly. So it's 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 the ecosystem yes. uh, that matters, right? I can be incented, but I could easily be disincented because yes. I don't, I don't, my surroundings are not uh, supportive. And I think mm-hmm. that this is where the mindset of the U.S. and the, the American uh, government, the U.S., the federal government, state governments, local governments, and even uh, store owners need to be cognizant if we're yeah. going to change healthcare, we have to do it together. Absolutely agree. 
When you mentioned access too, another factor is um, people who live in rural areas frequently don't have access to healthcare. Uh, in many cases, they don't have access to these healthy choices that we just mentioned. And that's also where you know digital technology can really come in and really help level the playing field, you know, provide people with access to care through telemedicine, through remote patient monitoring. You know, we, we mentioned the pandemic and even before the pandemic, these access problems existed. And, you know, there's a huge potential for really, really leveling the playing field across the board for these things. Of course, we have, you know, people have to have access to the technology just like they have access, need access to healthcare and to food. But I think those things are very achievable. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. I appreciate you saying that. And I, I, I think the challenge here is that we, as much as technology is being inserted into the delivery of care models, my personal opinion is that, that the, uh, overall there needs to be a better integrated state in order for the true outcomes to be adhered to. But I still think that we're operating in a very disconnected healthcare model. Well, and that's, again, where the content comes in because you can have amazing technology. You can also have great science. But again, if people aren't using it, if they're not accessing the information, if they're not making those those behavior changes, then it's really a lost opportunity. Yes. So we're going to leave it there. Any any closing words uh, before we uh, separate here? Uh, I don't think so. I think, you know, I think we've covered a lot of good stuff. I think, you know, again, our, our goal is really to to, you know, improve the use of technology that it can really achieve that basic promise that that technology can be used to improve health and achieve better health outcomes. And frankly, for everybody, not just for people that can afford expensive gadgets, but really for for you know the entire population and not only the population in the US, but really frankly around the globe. Very good. Pat Dunn, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you. your insights. And for the audience, Pat Dunn, Program Director at the American Heart Association, Connected Health, the Center of Health Technology and Innovation. Once again, thank you. Great. Thank you, Tom. I want to thank the show sponsors. HP, HP Engage Long Life Cycle Products provides the stability, safety, and security you need, plus flexibility and performance designed for today and tomorrow. As well, GenieMD, providing a modular, scalable, and customizable virtual care platform and clinical services to help providers extend care into the home, increasing access and quality while driving new revenue opportunities. If you missed part of today's episode, you can tune in at the same time, 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. Eastern, throughout the week, and be sure to check out the program page on healthcarenowradio.com. And remember, connect or follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at FoleyTom, and follow the show's hashtag, The Virtual Shift. I'm Tom Foley. Until the next shift.